Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We are very excited to have Chris Shepard, president at Kenneth J. Lane, on our show today. I worked with Chris while I was working on the jewelry buying team at Barney's because Kenneth J. Lane was my vendor and it was a lovely experience getting to go to the showroom and look at all of the pieces, both present day from the archive. It was a very special experience. So for those of you who need a reminder, (laughs) Kenneth J. Lane is a phenomenal fashion jewelry company. It has been worn by Jackie O, Audrey Hepburn, Elizabeth Taylor, Greta Garbo, Nancy Reagan, Princess Diana, Bay Paley, Deanna Vreeland, Barbara Bush, oh my goodness, Carolina Herrera, among <laughs> me. And into the present day, Rihanna, Lady Gaga, Jennifer Lopez, and so much more. So clearly, Chris can barely do a thing. You're doing so such a phenomenal job carrying the brand into, into modern day and time. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure. So most people, of course, have heard of Kenneth J. Lane, but for those who maybe don't know the history or need a refresher, can we talk a little bit about that? Well, absolutely. Well, I will say, first of all, Kenneth's typical reply to that question was a very <laughs> snarky, have you ever read my book? So <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote a very interesting, easy to read book about uh, his life in jewelry called Faking It, which is still available today on Amazon and whatnot. But it's, it's a really good uh, breezy thing to get to get a little basic idea of what it is. And of course, if you Google search Kenneth Lane, I believe you get well over a million different links mm. to different sites. But anyway, his, his history was quite interesting. He was a, a kid from Detroit who never wanted to do anything other than be some kind of a designer. He wasn't sure which. He went to Rhode Island School of Design after a year of engineering or something at some school in in the Detroit area, maybe University of Michigan or something like this. When he got out of college, he moved to New York and he was working for Roger Vivier designing shoes. He, He took scraps of the leather that they were wrapping around the heels and bought some cheap plastic bracelets at the five and dime and wrapped them around the bracelets and showed them to a buyer named Gloria Fiore, who I had the pleasure to meet, who worked at Bonwit Teller, who bought them all from him and sold them all immediately. And within about, I don't know, six months, he was selling every major department store up and down Fifth Avenue. So that's, that's how the whole thing kind of started. It didn't hurt that he also had some very influential friends who somehow or another introduced him to somebody who introduced him to another person. And that, and he told me that one time, I said, you know, Kenneth, how did you ever get to know all these different people? And I'm not just talking about, you know, Jackie Onassis or Diana Vreeland. I'm talking about like princesses and mm-hmm. queens and the royalty in India, all over the world. People knew him and loved having him as a guest. Like the Duchess of Windsor. He was great friends with the Duchess of Windsor. And he told me one time he he was at a restaurant with his mother here in New York. And she walked in and said, introduced herself to Kenneth's mother as Mrs. Lane. (laughs) Kind of funny. Well, he was a character, you know. Yes. He sounds like he was quite a character. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you learned from working with him? Well. 
you know, I worked with him for about 30 years and um, mm-hmm. he took he took a risk hiring mix at the time. His business wasn't doing all that much. He was really focusing on QVC where he was making a small fortune. But I'll tell you, the most important thing that he I ever learned from him was we were at Rodan School of Design. They were doing a retrospective of his work and some girls from Brown University came down and they asked him, Mr. Lane, if you could give us one word of advice, what would it be? And he said to them, you know, girls, never think that today's success will last forever because you have to constantly go on to the next thing. And at that time, we were in the midst of the red strawberry, which became 17 different colors of strawberries and acorns and pears and apples and blah, blah, blah. It was just (laughs) the amazing trend. Like, you never, I don't know, the demand was crazy. But that too ends and you must be ready to go on and have the next yeah. thing. Yeah. That's so, so, so true. It's so true. It's so true. Because if you don't, you will be out of business. Right. You can never stop reinventing yourself, coming up with new, new ideas. Yeah. I know. And then one day, didn't his lawyer call you or something and said he was turning over the business to you? Well, he had told me this all along. That was part of his wanting to hire me was he knew that I had the drive and the ambition to be able to keep the business going when he, when, as he said, when he's done. <laughs> so yeah, I knew all along that that was the, the game plan. So Kenneth really changed the game with his jewelry. So let's talk about how he did that in this fashion jewelry that he created. Well, you know, he made, he almost single-handedly, single-handedly, single-handedly mm-hmm. made it not just popular, but really fashionable for women of a certain stature to wear costume jewelry. And how did he do that? Well, he got his friends to wear it to start with. And he got people like Diana Vreeland, who was the editor-in-chief of Bazaar and then later to, of Vogue to promote it in magazines. And as I say, the rest was history. Last night we were behind the scenes at the, with the Costume Institute at the Metropolitan Museum down in the restoration and conservation area. And we were in the library, which I'm sure is filled with references to Kenneth J. Lane. But anyway, they have like this statue of Diana Vreeland, all black in her red sweater and her red lip. It's life size. It's the coolest thing. I hope she was wearing her bracelets. That I think, yes, was she was. Oh, my God. She definitely was. She had one on each hand. Sure, of course. Fulco Verdura said, if a woman has two wrists, she should have two bracelets. Oh, I love that. Now, you have worked hard to modernize the brand and to help it stay relevant. How have you accomplished that? Well, there's a few different ways. But, you know, times change constantly. So mm-hmm. you, you don't have the same kind of press in magazines that we used to get all the time. I mean, we used to, every month we'd have fashion magazines, Vogue, Elle, Bazaar, all of them would, would have things featured in them. They don't, just don't do that much anymore. Mm-hmm. So how do we do it now? We reach out through social media. So we have a, a very good social media presence, Instagram, Facebook. But we've also done other things. So that's how we're keeping it relevant by having it 
out there where people can see it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But we are, we're also doing to, to modernize the brand, to keep it more up to date. We're, we're working with other young designers and collabor- doing different collaborations. We're just been, we've done a few of them now with Brandon Maxwell, who was either last year or the year before the CFDA Designer of the Year. He has always loved our jewelry, and he has, is the one who really got Lady Gaga to wear most of our jewelry. Or most of the jewelry, most of our jewelry that she wears was through him. Mm-hmm. You know, what's old is new again. I, I love that so much. Yeah. With any kind mm-hmm. of well-established brand, you have to have a certain DNA. Right. It's uh, evolution, not revolution. If you change too quickly, it's yeah. really, really hard to go back to your real customer base. No, I feel like y'all have done such a great job of that. Thank you so much. So let's talk about the most exciting part, one of them, the design process. What inspires you? We want to dive deep into the archive, including how do you know when something should be brought back and how far in advance do you begin designing? First of all, I, anytime someone asks me this question, who is your designer? I say, well, our designer is still Kenneth J. Lane, even though he is no longer with us. It's kind of cheeky, but it's pretty true. Whenever I put something in the collection, I say, would Mr. Lane approve? Would he like this item? So that's part of it. And then I'm certainly not a designer, but I would call myself a selector. And I like, and I have been doing this kind of business for about almost 40 years now. I think that I have developed an eye for what will work in our collection, meaning what ladies will like and what will go cha-ching at the cash register in, in our customers' stores. And what I also do is, of course, of course, I ask all of the ladies here that work with me if they also like it or not. And it's just so interesting to me that, um, like I was saying before, what's old is new again, like all these gold chains that I'm sure he made millions of. Now they're just so big again, right? Yeah, yeah. it's it's super uh, popular chains, hoops, really deep, rich colors. We're selling, right. but it's different all over the world. There's a different trend or different different cultures like different products and things. And for me, it's really uh, interesting to see how we've developed our clientele in China. And they're buying a lot of product that a couple of years ago, I would be like, there is no way this is going to sell in China. Wow. And we're selling like a lot of Maltese cross brooches, for instance. Mm-hmm. They're very, very big style wise. And um, anyway, they, they, they love them and, and they reorder constantly, which is great. That is great. Yeah. That is so great. That's so interesting about different parts of the world you know, things would resonate um, differently. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. What yeah. sells here typically is not going to sell in Russia. And Russia is another very, very big market for us. And that makes perfect sense. I had just never thought about it before. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what trends are you seeing right now? But, you know, we, uh, now I understand you're seeing well, different trends in different places. But we've, um, kind of, we've kind of discussed it. but. I'll go back and, and quote Kenneth again. Okay. He, 
He said, I hate trends. We don't, we don't do trends. Don't, don't say the word trend. I said, but, but it is kind of a trend business. He said, I don't, he said, I don't care. I said, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but um, So our, our collection is basically a semi-permanent collection of almost 20,000 different mm-hmm. SKUs, that's- which is really nutty, but it works. Oh, it's and, wonderful. And if you if if we don't have what you want here, then I don't know anybody that's going to. <laughs> as you both know, because you you visited. Right, right. I think that's so cool. It's almost like it well, it is like a museum. So you're like, oh, people are really into um Elizabethan jewelry now or whatever it may be. And let me see what we have in the archives that that yeah, but we have we have we have we have stuff that's for today's lady as well. Right. Oh yeah. We have, sure. We're we're right on the trend if you want to call it that. That's I guess yeah. that's the point. In right. fact, I even said to him years ago, I said, "Well, we're not a trend business, so I don't know why why everybody's trying to follow us." How do you learn what people are looking for in each global market? Like, how did you figure out about Russia? Well, um, this customer, we, we sell almost entirely through one client there who uh-huh. kind of controls the market. And she's, she sells all over the place, not right. just in Russia, but also like in Azerbaijan and places like that. Um, and I've been working with her for about 20 years. And her business just kept growing and growing and growing. And um, I just listened to her when she's making suggestions and said, Chris, I know I can sell this. And I said, well, okay, we'll give it a try. It's a business where you may think you know everything, but the next day you're proved that you know nothing. So you, <laughs> right. So you just have to keep trying to learn every day. It makes sense, but it also is important. I mean, you know, you have someone on the, you know, that's, that's living there and living the life and they um, are a tastemaker in their area. So they're the ones that can, tell you what what's what's popular there sure listen even people you know living in new york are much different than people in la and much different than people in birmingham or wherever yeah let's talk about some of the most popular pieces we could talk currently but then also maybe some of the most iconic pieces i would say the most popular pieces tend to be the ones that have longevity, meaning pieces that um, and pieces that have longevity are pieces that are important, that have been featured, that are unlike anything else in the market. Pieces that you look at it and you go, that's a Kenneth J. Lane piece. It's unquestionable what it is. Pieces like the, the, the necklace that he made specifically, maybe the only piece he ever made for someone. Uh, the, the very fancy necklace that Jackie Kennedy Onassis was uh, given by her uh, Ari Onassis as a wedding gift. She asked Kenneth to copy. There's a cute quip by Kenneth in the Sotheby's auction catalog, and it went for $90,500 at the auction, the Kenneth Lane piece. Um, so that's, that would be like probably, you know, these very iconic looking pieces. That that's you know the most yeah. popular, but at the at the moment, at, at this very moment, I would say that those pieces are very popular, 
But again, the, the pieces that are most popular at the moment are the trend ones. There's, mm -hmm. there's this chain link thing. Thank goodness for the chain links. It doesn't seem to want to end. It's been well over a year now. And mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a real business driver. Yeah. Okay. And then there was a necklace. What were you telling us about the necklace that maybe Elizabeth Taylor wore and then recently Lady Gaga or Rihanna wore? Yes, that's true. It's also in that guest ad right outside my office. Oh, yeah. With Jane Mansfield, Sophia Loren looking kind of picture. But yeah, Lady Gaga was photoed in it a year or two ago. And that was because Brandon Maxwell styled her in it. I'm pretty sure. But a lot of these, a lot of these ladies just buy things, you know, from us. As a, for, for instance, Heather Locklear, do you remember her? Of course. So one day Heather Locklear called here and um, wanted to buy something. This was before we had our own website, but she had seen it. She had seen it in, a, in one of the magazines and it had our 800 number. And she, so she called and I happened to take the phone call and I said, oh, Heather, listen, um, if you're in New York and you want to come by the showroom, pop in. And she came in and she bought like, oh my God, I think about $5,000 worth of stuff. The sweetest, nicest lady. And, and you know, it, to me, it was just more uh, verification that the young, younger people, not that she's the youngest ones now, but at that time, because this was about, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. She, she popped in and, and just loved it. But I get a lot of people that are mother and daughters wearing it, too, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is super cool. You'd want to talk about the styles that bind, right? So <laughs> we, we, we have a lot of, you know, that and the sharing the jewelry. Yeah, so that's for, for me, I just love it when I see young people wearing it as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, my own kids love the jewelry. Yeah. I mean, you feel like a queen when you wear it. Will you yeah. give us? your definition of fashion jewelry and how the concept came about and how it has changed over the years and all, all that. But this is a kind of a funny question, but fashion jewelry is really just copies of real jewelry and traditionally, historically, that's what fashion or costume jewelry was just a replication of real jewelry. And it really started in the 18th century when a guy named George Strass created imitation diamonds or rhinestones, if you will. And even today, we still call things Strass. Oh, look at the Strass on that. It's basically pave. But it's the word Strass, I think a lot of people don't understand that that's actually the man's name, which I think is kind of cool. It's so and cool. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. And then, and then this guy named Swarovski. You ever hear of Swarovski crystals? <laughs> yes. Later in the same century, Swarovski took it to another level and started making colored ones. Where the other guy, Strauss, was always white, you know, clear. Yeah. So, but it, it does, it does change in popularity constantly. This is a very cyclical kind of a, a business that we have. Mm. And and it's sometimes it gets very discouraging because women all of a sudden only want this minimalist looking stuff, which is okay. like, okay, why even bother? You know, <laughs> it doesn't me, show up anyway. Right. I hear you. Uh, anyway. So, but yeah, so it does, it does change in popularity. 
quite often, but um, we've, we've been very lucky and our, our certain brand because of the integrity of the, of it, I think uh, has, has been relatively very popular for all, gosh, since Ken very first started the business. Do you have any stories that you can share with us about some of iconic celebrities wearing the pieces? Um, I can. The night, I mean, I wasn't really prepared for this question, to be honest, because I have so many different ladies that I've met over the years. One time, Barbara Walters, everyone knows who Barbara Walters is, right? So Barbara Walters wanted to go to a Halloween party and she wanted to go as Holly Golightly from Breakfast at Tiffany's. And she used our necklace that was actually worn by Natalie Portman on the cover of Bazaar magazine. And we mm-hmm. sold signed and num- numbered, numbered edition, like one out of 400, blah, blah, blah. And they all sold off in about five minutes. But wow. she went, she went as, as Holly Golightly wearing that necklace. But one of my more favorite stories, if you will, most of my stories don't involve like somebody actually wearing our jewelry. It's more meeting the, meeting the person. Like, mm-hmm. um, like I was very fortunate to meet Barbara Bush about, I don't know, five or six times. And very fortunate that she actually asked me if we would make a special clasp for her, this three-row pearl necklace that she wouldn't leave. And in fact, she told me if she left the house without it and she was in the supermarket or something, people would say, what's the matter, Mrs. Bush? You, you don't have your pearls on. <laughs> That's too funny. I love that so much. It was definitely such a part of her. There's no doubt. She she wore them wherever she went. And by the the end, she must have had, you know, 10 different styles of them. But she really wore the basic, basic ones all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'll say one thing. I've been working here for about 30 years and we've never changed the price. Never changed. And you know something? I, I don't want to. I think it's really cool that we can say that. Aww. Even if we're having crazy inflation right now. That's but, lovely. But I've had the pleasure to meet everyone from Barbara Bush and Nancy Reagan, Sandra Day O'Connor, Lucy, you know, younger people like Lucy Liu, um, Kim Cattrall. Mm-hmm. Paris Hilton's mother used to like to come to the showroom a lot, for instance. <laughs> Paris, uh, Paris and Lindsay Lohan and Britney Spears, all of those girls wore a ton of our jewelry. And I don't know where they got it, but they must have bought it in some store somewhere. Name it wherever. Yeah, you just never know. Well, the yeah. two things are definitely back. So I'm sure you could pull out all those pieces and they would sell like crazy. They're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I can yeah. point them out to you if you want to see them. I know. You, that's, you need to do that on Instagram. Get Gen Z. They'll be buying it like crazy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll come to it. What do you love most about Kenneth J. Lang? You know what? I, I Well, there's, a, there's different aspects of the company and, and things that, that uh, you know, what do you like best about the product? What do you like about working here? What right. do you like best about? I like the integrity of the brand. I have been able to say without a, a grin that we are, probably the best designed, best priced, least distributed brand in the world and most famous. He single-handedly 
was out there all the time promoting the brand. And people knew it all over the world because of him. He traveled to India probably 25 times. He, I mean, I have his old passport here. He must have had new, new pages put in it 10 times. It's insane how, how much traveling he used to do. But what I, what I also love the most about it is that it's still fun. Mm-hmm. Once it becomes fun, then it's, wow, no, no good. Okay, so wholesale versus direct-to-consumer, what are your thoughts on each? Have you changed your strategy at all, especially after COVID or during? Uh, well, if you would ask me even five or six years ago if we were going to become a real retailer, I would say, no, we're not going to do that. We have All of our customers have websites. We don't need to do that. However, very soon, very soon after that conversation, we started up our own website and I now have it being uh, managed outside because I firmly believe in paying people that do things best, let them do it. Because if it's not your thing, let other people do it. You'll, you'll, you'll be much more successful. So yeah, I, I believe that the future will be more and more direct to consumer. However, we also still have been developing, you know, more and more um, wholesale accounts. Well, that's wonderful to just continue growing the business. And I think it is wonderful to have a location, your own Mm -hmm. presence where people can really see because at Barney's doesn't exist anymore, but any of the other wholesale accounts, it's not going to be the full representation of the brand. So it is kind of this archival, it, I feel like it serves many purposes. Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with you. It allows us also to um, show different vintage pieces and do a little bit more explanation about the brand, mm-hmm. which we could probably even do a better job of, quite frankly, but busy, busy, sure. busy. Right. You're so busy. It's to, you know, just doing the the everyday things, but we're excited about spreading the word to our audience and reminding people of of the the brand. And I I thank you very much. Of course. All right. Do you have any advice or lessons that you have learned from running a business that might help young people who are listening to this podcast? Hmm. Well, I would say just, you know, start every day with a fresh, fresh mind and think, um, you know, how to keep things going, not just on a daily basis, a weekly, monthly, constantly set goals, try to try to keep track of what your goals are. I've always been a goal oriented person. So if you if you um, set goals for your business as well as yourself. Uh, at least then you'll know what direction that you want to go in. Yeah, that's great advice. Great advice. It's so easy to get distracted and just kind of get all over the place. So you can waste so much time and it's, it's not good right. to waste time. Right. Have goals, but also know you might, they might, you know, veer a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left, but you have to constantly of- be adjusted. Right. So what is next for Kenneth J. Lane? Well, I'll tell you, I think that for an older company, like there's not that many costume jewelry brands that you can say that they've been in business for over 50 years. 
uh, we're close right. to 60. I think we're close to 60 now, 60 years. Most of the really diehard ones got huge. And then for one reason or another, have gone out of business. Mm -hmm. uh, it's incredible to me that a, that a company like Coro or Monet, Trafari, sure. Miriam Haskell, that they've all gone by the wayside. Um, so what I like to try to do is keep our core business chugging along very nicely, but be mm -hmm. really open to new mainstream ideas. And one of them that's just come up in the, the last, I don't know, six, seven months, eight months, well, I don't know how long it's been around, but live streaming product. It's oh, yeah. We've been doing it with a company called Shop Shops, and it's been very successful so far, and it just keeps growing and growing. So I think that it's the, that the idea of what, what's next for Kenneth Lane is, I don't know what's really, because sometimes you get thrown a curveball. Like if you had told me two years ago that we're going to be doing live streaming, I would have just had to say, well, that hasn't been invented yet. I don't know what it is, <laughs> <laughs> but, but when it comes around, let me know. We'll give it a shot <laughs> because we're always giving things a try. Right. And, and, I, and I like to give people the benefit, the benefit of the doubt as well, because you just never know. I've had, I've had people walk into my showroom before. And I, at first I was thinking like, oh, this person is just wasting my time. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's a real business. And when I say real business, I don't mean just one order. I mean like that they're satisfied and their customers reacted positively to it and it's a going concern. I know. Well, that's great in business to have an open mind and just kind of be watching and seeing the social media, the website, the live streaming. There's all these different ways to showcase the pieces and all these different mediums. So it's wonderful that you keep your eyes open and also your mind. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I, I've found that over time that certain things happen that have been really fantastic for us and for the industry. You know, a horrible, horrible event like 9-11. Right after that, no one wanted to go shopping, but George Bush started wearing a flag pin on his lapel. Mm -hmm. Well, we started making flag pins because our customers all said, where's the flag pins? We want flag pins. Well, we, they kind of saved the business. And cool. then, and then the, uh, in 2008, the financial collapse of 2008, out of that horrible period of time came flash sale sites like guilt group right. look for instance and without them a lot of places wouldn't have been able to get rid of a lot of inventory because a lot of department stores major customers canceled orders uh. so people were sitting with so much excess inventory and, then, and, uh, and now we have another situation where uh, we have a horrible pandemic, this COVID mm -hmm. situation, which hopefully everyone's out there listening as, as well and has not mm -hmm. just survived, but is doing great. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just been very difficult and people don't really want to shop face-to-face -face as much. So people mm -hmm. are shopping, doing live streaming and whatnot, you know? And our customer in Russia sells almost 100% on Instagram and it sells amazing amounts of merchandise. Mm -hmm. 
That is so interesting. And also too, in times like these, when, um, you know, maybe you're not going to be able to afford an entire outfit, a piece of fabulous jewelry is exactly what, what you need. Well, you know what I thought was with the, the all this Zoom calling, I thought every woman oh, yeah. was going to need like a great, like, you know, the term newscaster necklace. Yes. Like a gold, <laughs> like a heavy gold thing right. basically on your collarbone, you know, and a beautiful yeah. pair of button earrings or something. But it hasn't really worked that well as, as, I, as I thought it would. I, I guess it, people aren't really getting too dressed up to do their Zoom meetings. Right. They could learn something from you. It definitely adds so much to a look for sure. Yeah, definitely. Tell us, tell everybody where people can find you. Where can people find your jewelry? Saks Fifth Avenue, Neiman Marcus. We have a nice collection on Shop Bop. We also have Kenneth J. Lane, all spelled out, J-A-Y-Lane.com. Mm-hmm. And it's still, you know, the pandemic crushed, crushed a lot of the better specialty boutiques, but many of them still have it. One of the best mm-hmm. places, like a Mildred Hoyt in uh, Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. She, she carries a lot of, a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, you have so much stuff that looks just like Palm Beach. Yeah, it's very, very, that, that lady. Mm-hmm. Corals and turquoise and gold. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, but, you know, we're selling all over the world, Europe, you know, Italy. We have a nice presence in Italy, France, England, Germany. Wow. A little bit in Austria. Crazy. It's good. good No, it's great. In fact, I just had a very nice order this morning from a specialty shop in Florence, Italy. They love the Art Deco stuff. Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. So if anybody's out there traveling to Florence, stop in at a little shop called Mariella Innocenti. Oh, oh. I want to be there right now. <laughs> Me too. And <laughs> 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 oh. we're going to include links. Did he also write a book called Shamelessly? Uh, he did not write that book, but that book was written only about him. That, uh, and there's another one called Fabulously. Uh-huh. It's a, they're both Schiffer publications. Okay. Well, I'll yeah. just include the Faking It by Kenneth J. Lane link in the description. And also I found in my research, the Duchess of Windsor was buried in a faux emerald snake bracelet by Kenneth J. Lane. Yeah, that's that's the rumor. <laughs> and then <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor obviously loved diamonds, but she also loved costume jewelry, which we had talked about. And even someone like Mick Jagger has worn Kenneth Shailene jewelry for his concerts. I, so. I wouldn't doubt it. Really up chains by the bushel. The, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the earring most famous that was in Elizabeth Taylor's book, My Life in Diamonds. I actually, I did meet her. I did have her sign a copy of my book, of her, the, her book that I bought. There's an earring in there that she had in that she bought at a Kenneth Lane store in Paris that her then husband, and I don't know who he was because she had more than one. I think what she had seven. <laughs> anyway, what? it doesn't matter. Took her, spirited her fake one away and had it made in real. And I believe the story is in that oh. book, like Diamonds. Oh, that's so cool. So she took the Kenneth J. Lane piece because she loved it so much 
and had it made into no, fine her jewelry? Husband, her husband did it without her knowing. Wow. You know, usually it's the opposite. It's exactly that's, that's exactly what it is. There's another really good book that was written by Madeline Albright. Mm -hmm. It's called My Life in Pins. And in that book, there's about 10 different pins that were Kenneth J. Lane. Oh, and one so of them happened to be a very large lion pin that she uh -huh. wore when she was meeting uh, President Assad of Syria. And she wore it because Assad supposedly in Arabic means lion. There's a line in the book that says, I wore the lion because it means lion in Arabic, thinking that it would break the ice. And then it says it didn't. <laughs> ooh, ooh, what a great book. What a great idea for a book. Yeah, it's a really, you know, it's cool. Because she always did wear them. She wore brooches, basically. Like a oh, lot of times, I think <laughs> men used to wear goofy-looking neckties, like right. a, a comment tie, I used to call them. Like, sure. You're going to get a comment, you wear that tie. Right, so, right. <laughs> Right, exactly. That is so cool, though, because she definitely did always wear those pins yep. and that she would think about because, you know, I always tell my clients to dress for what they're doing that day many times, you know, and if you're having difficult conversations, this is the kind of thing you're supposed to wear, you know, do you want to be approachable that day? All that kind of stuff. But I never thought about her consciously putting on those pins that we're so familiar with because she was no, sending. There, there you was know, always a purpose. Oh, I just love that. I helped her identify a lot of the pins in the book. Oh, God, that's so great. Yeah. So she, and she actually acknowledged me in the back of the book. Yeah, it was nice. That is Super great. You need to write a book about all these experiences, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that'd be me. Yeah. <laughs> you need to, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I hope it was uh, fun for everybody. Absolutely. I know it was fun for us. I'm sure everybody's going to be very interested. It will peak or re repeak their interest in this eponymous brand. So. There's actually, there's also a link to the faking a book on our website. If anybody's having a hard time. Finding oh, good. It. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Finds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.